Empower Radio presents Out of the Fog. Join intuitive guide and spiritual teacher Karen Hager for lively, positive conversation with lightworkers, healers, and dynamic wisdom keepers. Get ready for inspiration and connection. This is Out of the Fog on Empower Radio. Here's your host, Karen Hager. Hello and welcome to Out of the Fog. I'm Karen Hager. Each week at this time we gather for spiritual conversation and enlightening guests, and I'm glad you're here. Time and distance are no barrier to energy, and that means no matter when you're listening, no matter how you found us, you are here for a reason. And I hope that something in the next hour lights you up and helps you move forward. Now, our dreams can give us a a tantalizing look at what's going on in our lives, can give us a deeper way of connecting with the patterns and processes with our hopes and our dreams. They're fascinating and frustrating and sometimes confusing. Some dreams can be highly symbolic and some dreams are just plain baffling. And on today's show, dream expert Kelly Sullivan Walden is here to share tools to help us decode dreams through the lens of our relationships, sexuality, and the human imperative to love and be loved. Are you ready to meet her? Kelly Sullivan Walden is on a mission to awaken the world to the power of dreams. She's known as America's premier dream expert, and she's the number one best-selling author of nine books, including I Had the Strangest Dream, and most recently, The Love, Sex, and Relationship Dream Dictionary. You can find out more about Kelly and her work at kellysullivanwalden.com. Kelly, welcome to Out of the Fog. Thank you, Karen. It's so great to finally be out of the fog and be with you. What a dream come true. <laughs> oh, what you. a nice thing to say. Thank you. You, The thing that made me laugh when I was looking at your material is that you, you say that you've been called the love child of Carl Jung and Lucille Ball. I'm, I consider yeah. myself more of an Ethel Mertz sort of myself. <laughs> what, what, does, what does that mean? Well, once upon a time, Carl Jung and Lucille Ball did have a fling, and nobody knows about this. <laughs> Lucille Ball was quite a dreamer, and they got together, they were having therapy, one thing led to another, some counter-transference happened, and yeah, yeah, she got pregnant, and it wasn't little Ricky, it was me. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've just, you know, I'm a goofball, and I love to go deep and wild and psychological and spiritual, so I kind of like to blend the airy fairy with the nitty gritty. So that's where that part of my bio showed up. Thank you for drawing attention to it. <laughs> well, so how are you different from other dream ex- experts? I know I like talking to you because you, you, you have all the knowledge, but you're not all buttoned up like that. Well, I think you and I are sisters from another mister. I, I think, think so there's too. a, that's why, that's why. Well, I know, you know, I speak at the International Association for the Study of Dreams every year. It's a yearly conference where all the who's who of, of dreamers come together and and speak. And I'm definitely kind of in my own category. There's a lot of academics. There's a lot of feather-wafting shamans. There's a lot of um, lucid dreamers that are really kind of psychedelic Burning Man types. And and then there's me. And I'm I'm kind of neither of those and all of those and I I I just like to blend. I like to bring, like I said, the airy fairy down to earth to the nitty gritty. And I like to, I feel like my job is to 
make dreams as accessible as possible to the average person. I want to see the whole world talking about dreams. I want this to be a, a water cooler conversation that happens at work on a daily basis. I want this just to be something that people do. And so I, I feel like it's my job to kind of blend all of the things that I learn and that I've experienced and make it as accessible and grounded and fun and magical as possible. So, and Dustin Timberlake is bringing sexy back. I'm bringing dreams back. <laughs> well, and in the new book, you're bringing sexy dreams back. Oh, too. that's true. Maybe Justin Timberlake and I should do a duet. <laughs> I think that's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sexy dreams are back. In fact, I just, this is hot news that nobody knows about necessarily. I had a great conversation with a friend of mine who runs uh, the dream app that I use called dreams cloud. And they, they have millions of dreamers and with millions of dreams every day, basically. So they have the world's largest database of dreams and dreamers. And they're able at this point to create algorithms that are predictive and that can show patterns and themes about dreaming worldwide and countrywide. And for a while, it was believed that it was mostly South America and Europe that had more sexual dreams than anyone. But now they've just found that globally, the most commonly remembered dream is a sensual or sexual dream. So I thought that was cool since my book just came out. And we're hitting on a zeitgeist here. Ah, and it's interesting, too, that Sometimes those dreams are more maybe confusing or puzzling than they are <laughs> yes. clear. Mm. Very true, especially most dreams that are of a sensual or sexual nature aren't necessarily with for women with like Fabio or with like the you know the perfect hunky guy, although sometimes that happens. Sometimes it's with somebody that we work with or with a neighbor or with an ex-lover and we're happily married and it's it's confusing often people take their dreams very literally and i'm here to remind people that dreams speak the language of symbol so the people that we're having sexual relationships with in our dreams are not necessarily people that we that we lust for that we covet although that does happen sometimes sex is a metaphor for joining for deep connection and everyone in our dream, according to Carl Jung, my father, just kidding, <laughs> um, <laughs> he says that everyone in our dream is, is us, is an aspect of ourselves. So when we have a sexual dream, it, it represents that we're having a deep connection with an aspect of ourselves that perhaps we've been estranged with. It may be bringing us, if we're having sex about, you know, being with the boss, then it could represent that we're having, that we're deeply connecting with the boss aspect of ourselves, the authority figure within ourselves, maybe to empower us about a success strategy. So I think our dreams, our sexual dreams, instead of being so confusing and us taking them literally, we should consider them the ultimate hall pass. We should not feel guilty at all about any sexual dream. We should feel quite lucky if the dream was pleasurable and we should enjoy those dreams, and then wake up and know that we have been connected intimately with uh, an aspect of ourself that we were due and scheduled to be connected with. It's interesting. I know I see a lot in the work that I do where we attract in our waking lives, 
we attract people to us who mirror aspects of ourselves or who represent patterns that we are working through. And so yeah. there's a way in which in our waking lives, sometimes we're standing in a hall of mirrors. And, and what I'm uh. hearing you say is that in our dream life, that is also true, but it, it goes deeper. There are more levels to it. Absolutely. Well, it's, there's a very fine line between the dreams that we have at night and the dreams that we're having in the day. I mean, this, we're in a dream right now, Karen, you and I, we've just come out of the fog and we're having this lovely conversation and there's all these listeners and this is all a dream and it's related to the nighttime dream, although it seems to be a more stable reality than, than the one we have at night. But so when I, when I was writing my very first dream book and I was spending so much time in my waking reality focusing in on dreams, I really, I had an epiphany and I realized that just like interpreting a dream from the perspective that everyone in the nighttime dream is us, I noticed that that was absolutely the case in our waking reality too. There's never an accident who crosses your path, who you, who you stumble upon on Facebook, who's going to deliver the message to you, and they all represent aspects of you. So we, we could think about that Whitney Houston song, I'm every woman, it's all in me. It's also every man, everyone is us. And if we know that, then we might be more apt to go out of our way to be kind, compassionate, forgive, to not judge, to find room in our hearts, to, to make room for those people as opposed to saying, you know, only the good people can come in and everybody that's a little bit weird has to go out of my heart. Our heart can get bigger if we know that they're all part of ourselves. Well, and it seems like the key to that, the key to that understanding, the key to getting the most of the message, the key to acknowledging, embracing the messenger when he or yeah. she or it shows up is it, awareness, right. right? Is, is that awareness? And part of your work, it, it feels like is to bring our awareness into our dreams to kind of open that door to a, a deeper understanding. And also what I love, uh, what I love about this new book is that it's about looking at everything kind of without um, fear. I've seen other d dream right. dictionaries where some things are bad and some things are good. Mm. And if you dream about, I don't know, jello, it means that you'll give birth <laughs> to a two headed baby. And if you dream about a paperclip, <laughs> it means, I don't know. Right. And what I like about right. what you've put out here is there are the interpretation is there, but it isn't good or bad. It just is what it is. Do you know what I mean? Right. Absolutely. Well, I, my core belief is that every, that our dreams are our greatest ally and that there's no such thing as a bad dream. And every dream comes to us in the service of health, healing, and wholeness, no matter what it is. So, and I, and I'm a big fan of looking at, looking at the shadow in even the light things. So I think that we can look at everything from a holistic perspective. How might this be showing me something that's, that might be considered obviously good? And how might this be showing me something that may be in my blind spot that, um, that that's not necessarily bad? Nothing's bad in and of itself, but, um, but to look at it from a holistic perspective. For example, universally, everybody looks at flying dreams as, as it's just like the ultimate dream. And it is, and but there are those cases, and and I do say this in my in my book that from time to time you need to look at your flying dreams if you're having a lot of them. That are you trying to escape something? Are you are you getting too heavenly minded that you're not paying attention to what's on the ground? I, I met a guy once who had a lot of flying dreams, and he was always kind of running from people, and then he would end up flying away from them. And I asked him what would happen if you turned and faced 
those people that were chasing you? What would happen if you had a conversation with them and asked them why they're chasing you and what kind of a message or a gift are they trying to give you? And so, so that's usually the way I approach a chasing dream of any kind. But we can look at every dream from a holistic perspective to try to get as broad of a, a, a perspective on what our dream's gift is trying to give us. Can you give an example? I know I, I heard you say that we tend to remember most our sensual dreams, our sexual dreams. I think I remember most the scary dreams. And I heard mm-hmm. you say that our dreams are always about healing and about awareness and stuff. Honestly, Kelly, I have dreams that scare the heck out of me and I don't feel healed. I just feel like I had a really scary dream. So can, is right. there an example of a maybe a negative dream that carries the, the gift? Absolutely. Well, they, they all do. So sometimes... I've got I've got so many examples. I we don't have time for enough of them, but I'll give you a couple of them. If we know that our dreams are our ally and they're trying to help us, then we might ask ourselves when we wake up from a scary dream and say, "What what was my dream trying to bring to light for me?" There, here's like a very basic example. My grandmother the other day called me and said, "I had the most horrible dream. I was being strangled in my dream." And she said, and I woke up and I realized that I I wasn't really breathing and I had a hard time catching my breath. And I said, Grandma, your dream was trying to wake you up because maybe something was blocking your breathing. So even a terrifying dream like that was trying to scare her, like scare her straight, Mm -hmm. scare her awake enough to, to course correct, to get a big deep breath. So just like those little bumps on the freeway, they they make a lot of noise when we start veering off course. Our dreams, our nightmares might be showing us where we're out of balance or where we've lost the plot or or where we've forgotten something important. Um, One really awesome example of a nightmare that that became a great blessing was, and we write, I write about this. I didn't write about it. This is one of our contributors to Chicken Soup for the Soul Dreams and Premonitions. This came out earlier this year. And one of the dreams was from Michael Beckwith, who you might know. He's, he's become, he's, anyway, I'll tell you what happened in his dream. He had a recurring dream that he was being chased by men with guns, and they were always chasing him through these dark alleys, and, and he was always running and just barely, narrowly escaping these gunmen. But every night that he had this dream, they would get closer and closer, and it would be harder and harder to escape them. Until one night they caught up to him and one guy put the gun right to his chest and pulled the trigger and shot him. And Michael could feel the impact of the bullet in his chest in his dream. He felt an excruciating pain in his chest. He felt himself die. He left his body and then he began to float up and away from his body. And he was agnostic at the time, and he went into a place that most people would consider heaven, but he called it love beauty. Mm. He said that it was the most beautiful space that he had ever seen. He he had access to all the wisdom of the ages. Every question he wanted to know the answer to immediately was right there. He was surrounded by more love than he had ever known. And he woke up from that dream and suddenly became interested in spiritual literature and meditation in in Eastern philosophy. And within a few years, cut to present time, it's been about 25 years since he had that dream. He now has the biggest metaphysical church in the United States. So that changed. He was on track to be a doctor at the time. He was going to medical school at the time that he had the dream. 
His whole life changed as a result of that dream. So often dreams of death or dying are about our subconscious mind trying to get our attention so that we can make a radical change. And often, even if we're afraid of change, that change is for the better. How is it, how can we tell? That's a huge example. I mean, that's the, you'd never forget that dream. It it came over many nights. How yes. can we tell our important dreams? That one's easy to tell it's important. How can we in the in the regular run of things tell the important dreams from the maybe not so important ones? Well, my my opinion is that every dream has value, even the ones that seem like they were just a rehash of the day's events or they they were just about working on something or, you know, they, they don't seem like there's an emotional impact. Every dream that's remembered has, it's like it's got some kind of gold dust on it. So don't throw it away because there's gold and then there are hills, every single dream. But we, but usually based on the emotion and based on the visual images, if it's, there's usually a fantastic image that tends to be in the bigger dreams, but they're all worth noting. But I want to, I would love to go back to what you were sharing earlier because I don't feel like I really got to fully answer oh, yeah. your question about your nightmares because you were saying that sometimes you have the nightmares that are the most vividly remembered often are just like the ones that you brought up. They are, they are scary dreams because there's that deep emotional impact. Emotional impact makes it easier to remember a dream. And with those dreams, if you wake up from a dream and it's just awful and you're like, okay, great, I didn't die in the dream, I'm not transforming, I didn't go into love beauty, so great, what do I do with this? If you know that the dream is pointing you towards something, towards making a change, toward um, looking at your life in a way that is like your dream is pointing toward health, wholeness, and healing, you can ask yourself, how you can you can ask yourself this is one simple way that you can work with the dream and i call this dream alchemy in your waking state while you're maybe still in the memory of your dream you can meditate on the question if i were lucid in that dream how would i have changed it what would i do different how would i redirect this dream so that you can finish the dream hmm. a nightmare is considered an unfinished dream and it's up to you, the dreamer, to finish that dream. So it might just be awful because you didn't get the last act of the story, but you can you can assign that act. So we might be able to get more specific if you had a particular dream that you might want to work with. I don't want to put you on the spot there, Karen. No, it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't put me on the spot. It um, the kind of dreams that I'm thinking about when I when I talk to you is I very often dream about. I have dreams where I think I have woken up, and I'm not right. awake. And I know because when I'm in the dream, I know that I'm not actually awake. But oh, this is one of those dreams when I think I'm awake. See, much too yeah. confusing for radio already. Um, no, but I, <laughs> but I, so I, I wake up, except I know I'm not awake and I'm walking around my house and it is my house. The things look like they look and the, and all of a sudden something will be weird. There'll be an extra room or there will be a light on where there shouldn't be a light on. And I will all of a sudden get the feeling that something very, very, very bad is about to happen. And mm. usually what happens is that I will wake up or wake myself up. The challenge is that sometimes when I think I've woken up and woken myself up, 
I am still in the dream. So for example, I might wake myself up, turn over, see my partner sleeping next to me and think, oh my gosh, it's okay. I'm here. I'm home in my own bed. And then turn over to go back to what I think is sleep. And there again will be something very wrong and we'll go through the whole thing again. And those are the kind of dreams where when I really wake up from that, I have to get out of bed and go find some tea and read a book about kittens and puppies and (laughs) (laughs) cupcakes and things like that. So that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about where it, it, to me, Mm. it just messes me up. It's like my dreams are messing with me and I'm just messed (gasps) up. Okay. Well, may I offer a couple thoughts about this? Yes, please. (laughs) I think you are a candidate for lucid dreaming. I think you're like halfway through the initiation stage and you just haven't crossed the threshold yet. To have this kind of recurring theme means that you're, to be lucid in a dream means that you're aware that you're dreaming when you're dreaming, but you just haven't yet come to the place where you feel empowered by this. And, and even, even if that's not the case, if you don't quite go there, to me, I'm, because I know enough and I've done this with people probably a thousand times and I'm not exaggerating. I've been working with dreams for 20 years now with dreams and dreamers, thousands of dreams. Whenever there's something scary, some scary energy, some scary person or object, if you can deliberately think about whether in your dream or even in your waking state, when you think about the dream, moving toward it, not away from it, but maybe bringing someone with you like, Mm. Invite in an archangel or a spirit guide or some talisman that gives you a sense of ultimate power and authority over anything in your, in your dream. And then you move toward it. You become the hunter. You go toward it to find out what is this that you're going to solve the case instead of running away from it, which is the intuitive thing to do is to run away from something yucky or icky or scary. I'm asking you to do something counterintuitive instinctive, which is moving toward it. But that's how the alchemy happens. That's how the change happens. Because more often than not, it's scary only because we don't know what it is. Often, more often than not, when we find out what it is, we're like, oh my God, this is a beautiful gift. There's something here and it was overwhelming to me. I didn't understand it, which is why I was scared of it. That makes sense. It does make sense. Yes. I'm I'm taking it in. It does make sense. And it's interesting that because I do have the awareness as it, when this happens, I go, oh, this is that thing that's happening. I think I'm awake, but I'm really asleep. So I get you about the lucid part. And it sounds like yes. what I'm doing is using that awareness to pull myself out of the dream when I should be using that awareness to go deeper. To go deeper. And you could, you know, deliberately ahead of time, if this is a regular dream that you have, make a plan where you say, okay, Archangel Michael or whoever is like a a patron saint of yours or a spirit guide, Mm -hmm. you connect with them before you go to sleep. Maybe there's a visual, an image that you look at, you meditate on it before, and you say, if I have this dream, I want you there by my side. I'm going to call you in. I'm going to call in. Sometimes just by saying their name three times will kind of conjure their energy. Mm -hmm. You bring them in and say, okay, we're going to go after it. So you have a plan what you're going to do. And you're looking for specifically the gift because it's always the, the Sonoy is a, a, a dreaming tribe off the, from in the highlands of Malaysia. Years ago, they were studied by an anthropologist named Kilton Stewart, and they were considered and probably maybe still are the most enlightened people to ever walk the earth. And part of their dream practice was to approach every scary dream 
from the perspective of what's the gift? What's the, what's the blessing that this scary thing is trying to provide for me? Hmm. So when you're looking for a gift, you always find it. Even if you're going down a dark alley, even if you're looking at a monster, you're, you're going to find a gift and it's always there. And so basically the Sonoy people, because this is their dream practice, they became, they were like fearless people and they approached life that, in that same way, which really, if we do that in life, we always find a gift and there's nothing to be afraid of except for fear itself. So, I love that. I never want to have those dreams, but you're kind of making me now want to have it again so that I can go and see good. it. Because I do. I never do go and look. I can't tell you, oh, and then it's a lizard man or it's a, I can't, I can't tell you what it is because I don't know. You don't um, know. You know, there's a story of a woman who had a similar kind of a thing where there was foreboding. She didn't know what it was. And when she was finally kind of brought in through a shamanic process to say, okay, who is this? Who is this? She, she knew it was a man, she knew it was an older man, and she assumed it was some lecherous person, but it was her beloved uncle from the other side who was trying to connect with her and love her. And she was like, what? It was you all this time? Oh, my God, I love you. I, I need you. Where have you been? And he's like, I've been here. Hello. You've been running from me. And she's like, oh, man. Okay, no more of that. And there's another story of a guy who had lucid, not, not lucid dreams, actually. He had a recurring dream of being in his childhood house. And he'd walk through his kitchen, and in the kitchen there was a door that led to the outside, and there would always be this masked man with a gun that would be standing menacing, menacingly at the, at the window facing him, and the guy would just be terrified and he'd wake up. And somebody suggested to him, wow, you might try that being a prompt for lucid dreaming since you have that dream so often and you know it's a dream. So one night the dream happened and he was terrified, but he said, wait, stay in the dream, stay in the dream. Don't go away. I know, I know this is a dream. And he said, so because I know it's a dream, I'm just going to stand here and let the guy shoot me. So the guy shoots him. And the bullets bounce off of him like rubber bullets and they don't go in. So he, he goes, so finally, after enough shots are fired, he looks at the guy and says, like, is that all you got? And finally, the gunman looks at him, gives him a thumbs up, smiles, waves and walks away. Like, you finally <laughs> got it. You got it. And now the guy is a major lucid dreamer who wow. has had many lucid dreams. And that was his entree into lucid dreaming. Oh my gosh. Now you're listening to Out of the Fog with Karen Hager. My guest is Kelly Sullivan Walden. Her new book is The Love, Sex, and Relationship Dream Dictionary. When we come back after this short break, I want to talk to Kelly about not just our dreams of relationships and love, but dreaming within our relationships to find out more about that. We'll be right back after this. This week's episode, Bobcat in the Cave. Gosh, Johnny, playing in the cave sure is neat. Oh, boy, a kitty cat. Sassy, the kitty cat's yelling. What, Sassy? It's not a kitty? It's a bobcat? Speaking of cats, you like to stress the importance of adopting cats from animal shelters? Over five million cats go into animal shelters every year? 
And with millions of healthy cats to choose from, it's a shame more people don't adopt from shelters? This bobcat's heavy. Help, sassy! Why bother? We'll just get into more trouble tomorrow? What's that supposed to mean? Oh, nuts. Sassy is brought to you by the Ad Council and the shelterpetproject.org. Remember, adopt. Have you ever lost a cat? And have you ever wanted to get your cat back after you lost it? Hi there, I'm Andrew Hoffman. I went on this website called inventnow.org. Then I decided to make an invention of my own. It's called the Lost Cat Magnet Invention. So you can get your cat back after you lost it. Just turn it on and lost cats stick to it. That's a good cat. If your cat was hiding up in a tree, it won't be up a tree anymore. It will be stuck to the lost cat magnet. And sometimes they fly toward you in the air. Just listen to one satisfied cat. See, that's proof. You should go to the inventnow.org website too. But just remember one thing. Don't do a lost cat magnet. Anything's possible. Keep thinking. Get started on your own inventions or just play some games at inventnow.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, the National Inventors Hall of Fame Foundation, and the Ad Council. Hey, Larry, mind if I sit down? Nope. This coffee tastes like uh, coffee. So what's going on? Not much. What's new? Not much. Okay, but can you please put the newspaper down while you say not much? What newspaper? This newspaper. Oh, dude, what happened to your face? I see one, two, three, four, five, six. Dude, what is this? Eleven pieces of toilet paper stuck to your face? I'm shaving in the dark to save energy. I'm helping the environment. That's a dangerous way to help the environment. Well, sometimes you have to sacrifice yourself for the greater good. Dude, there's an easier and safer way to help the environment without sacrificing yourself. Go green, go public. Take public transportation. It's good for the environment and you won't have to live behind a newspaper. Wow. But for now, put the newspaper back up. A message from the public transportation systems across the country. To learn more, visit publictransportation.org. And now back to Out of the Fog with Karen Hager on Empower Radio. EmpowerRadio.com. Welcome back to Out of the Fog. I'm Karen Hager, and my guest is Kelly Sullivan Walden. Her new book is The Love, Sex, and Relationship Dream Dictionary, and you can find out more about Kelly and her work at kellysullivanwalden.com. If you go to her site, if you go over to kellysullivanwalden.com and you trade her your email address, she has a dream declaration meditation that she would love to send you as your gift for listening and for uh, caring about and being invested in her work. So that's at kellysullivanwalden.com. And of course, I always invite your feedback, your questions, your comments about what you're hearing today. You can reach me through email is always the best way. I'm Karen at karenhager.com. Now, Kelly, we were talking off the air. So Nate, the producer's in the studio with me, and we were talking off the air. He was telling me that a friend of his was told, read somewhere, that if you eat blue cheese before you go to sleep, (laughs) that you will have more lucid dreams. His friend's already a lucid dreamer, so he bought really expensive blue cheese, because, you know, you don't want to waste it on the cheap stuff. Eats the blue cheese before he goes to bed, and lo and behold, is having really powerful dreams. So is that, is that a, did he just kind of work himself up into that, or is there something to it? Well, I've heard all kinds of stories. I've heard about peanut butter, and I actually... 
you know, I think that there is some link to vividness and cheese, and I don't know exactly what that is. I know that there was, and I don't know all the details on this, but in England, there was a study done on the effects of cheese, just regular cheese, not blue cheese, but cheese and nightmares. And apparently someone from the Cheese Federation got a hold of this study and put the kibosh on it because she didn't want bad press about cheese. And thank God, because my husband is the biggest cheese lover in the world, he, he eats a lot of cheese. And that man doesn't necessarily have lucid dreaming. He has great dreams, very creative dreams. I think the more cheese you eat, <laughs> probably the more vivid. And, and if they're vivid, then you might be more apt to have lucid dreams. I don't know that... I think you there's a skill involved in lucid dreaming. You've got a there's there's a consciousness muscle you've got to work where you you're looking for the signs and then you jump into it. So, but I think vividness in dreaming is is a is a jump start to that. And also, um, vitamin B six supposed to help with vividness in dreaming as well, and that helps with dream recall and and um, as as well lucid dreaming, but also meditation helps with lucid dreaming and, um, and practicing asking yourself the question throughout the day, even right now, am I dreaming? Is this mm. a dream? Mm. And the answer is yes. It's always, we're always dreaming. Well, we're always riding those waves of consciousness at whatever level feels most right to us at the time, right? So I work as a professional intuitive. So when I'm doing a session with someone, I'm riding that wave at a different level than I am when I'm talking yeah. to you now, or when I yeah. go to sleep or when I'm playing with my children or when I'm meditating or zoning out in front of the TV. It's all different levels of consciousness. And what's really cool about what we're talking about here is that it's the idea is that we can direct our experience. We can get the gift by directing our awareness into those different layers, different levels of consciousness. Absolutely. Yes. And I think, you know, you, you bring up a good point as just like radio stations, there's, mm -hmm. there's empower radio and then there's, there's all kinds of radio stations and they represent, that's kind of a symbol of all the different wavelengths that we can take a ride on. We can take away a ride on, on very mundane, ordinary thoughts, negative thoughts, very positive thoughts, spiritually uplifting thoughts, and those are all wavelengths that we can ride, and those are all the different options that are available to dreaming as well. So all dreams are not, there's not just a one-size-fits-all kind of dream or kind of dream experience. However, paying attention to any kind of dream does kind of work that, that dream recall muscle, which tends to help to simultaneously work an intuition muscle and, um, and there is a little science behind that that says if you remember dreams and work that muscle, then you do tend to have a stronger sense of confidence and navigational acuity in your waking life. Although there's all kinds of different dream scenarios and different ways that our mind does work when we're sleeping at night. When, when people are in a relationship, and let's take, I've been with my partner now for 30 years, right? So that's a long time. Wow. Do you wow. ever, I, yeah. and I have never, I have loved her forever, but I've never shared a dream as far as I know with her. I've dreamed of mm. her and she has dreamed of me, but is it, ah. is it possible for people to share dreams for two people in a relationship to share, be in the same dream? Ah. Oh, 
Oh, to, oh, to be in the same dream. Do you, you, know, you like need if, to be aware that you're in the dream right, together so like and if, you're aware of it. Right. So if you and I maybe set an intention and then we both yes. went to sleep and then I called you at 6 a.m. and went, Kelly, I dreamed of a gigantic llama eating a peanut butter sandwich. And you said, that's amazing. I also dreamed of a gigantic yes. llama. Yes. In fact, this is this is what what got me into dreaming as a kid, my, my younger sister and I, I have four sisters, and I'm close in, in different ways with all of them, but my sister Shannon, who's closest to me in age, she and I have a very strong dream connection, and often we would dream the same dreams. We would have what's called tandem dreaming, where we would be in dreams together. We would wake up and have a very similar dreamscape that we would report having oh. or understand who some of the same dream characters were that didn't exist in our waking life. So that's what got us both paying deep attention to dreams. So I know personally that that does happen. And I know people that have experimented with that. And, and there's some people that would be considered advanced dreamers that, that do this quite often with one another. And sometimes you know, it's, a, it's a skill. A lot of stars need to line up for people to remember that they have them. Mm-hmm. There's some people I know. I know one gentleman set an intent with, with a dear friend that they would dream and they'd be together in the dream. And he saw her in the dream and he kept trying to get her attention in the dream, but she wasn't aware of him in the dream. And he was like doing cartwheels and backflips (laughs) trying to get her attention, but she just wasn't aware. So she remembered being where she was in the dream, but she didn't remember seeing him. So it takes a lot of, of lucidity and being on the same wavelength to be able to do this. So it's not something that's easily pulled off. Although I think it's a fun thing to try. And often my, my husband and I, I don't know that we've ever actually done that, although we've had similar dream themes and there's been some coincidences with regards to what we've dreamt about, but not necessarily finding each other in the dream and saying, oh, my God, there you are. We're aware <laughs> at the same time. Wow. OK, now what do we do? Let's fly. You know, that, that exactly that scene hasn't happened, honestly, although I'd love for it to. But when it comes to the other kind of dream sharing, now that's something that absolutely can happen where you and your partner wake up in the morning and talk about your dreams. That can be a wonderful tool for intimacy and depth and connection and, and broadening the spectrum of communication and understanding in a relationship. And that's easier to do than actually landing in the same dream at the same time. (laughs) Is there a way in which, uh, let's say we have um, a male and a female partner. Do the do men dream differently from mm-hmm. women? Yeah, there's science on this that show that statistically speaking, men have dreams that tend to be more about conquest and conquering and fighting and running. They can there's more violent dreams in men's dreams, and of course, this is this is. I'm talking black and white, and there are many shades of gray. But statistically speaking, men do have more more physically um, violent dreams that that require more leaping of tall buildings and and rescuing people. Whereas women's dreams tend to be more relational, more about trying to get somebody's attention, trying to get somebody to understand them, trying to express themselves. They tend to be kind of more the way that we are in in waking life where, you know, if we were back, if we were kind of living in a more rural society, the men would typically be the provider protectors and women would be more of the, the tend and befriend nurture, uh, nurturing and, 
gathering and that kind of a thing. And so biologically, there are many, there's, there's some science that backs up that we do tend to dream that way. For someone who is, I talk with a lot of people who are looking for, waiting for, hoping for a love connection that will change their lives, that will, that will transform Mm. everything. What, how could that, if you are that person and you are waiting, hoping, looking, how can getting information from your dreams help you on that search, help direct you? I've heard so many incredible stories about people that were in that situation where they really were saying, okay, I'm ready to meet the love of my life enough already bring him or her to me. Yes. And, and the first thing I tell those people when they come to me anyway, is first download my dream declaration meditation because that, that, that meditation, and you can go to my website as, as you mentioned, Karen, kellysullivanwalden.com to get that. And it's a free meditation that helps you in the moments before going to sleep to focus your mind on a remembering a dream upon awakening and B, what you want your dreams to specifically help you with. So there's, there's gaps in the meditation where you can fill in the gaps about what you want your dreams to help you with. So that's where you say, I'm really ready for the love of my life, for my soulmate, for the person that will go the whole nine yards with me, whatever that is, however you want to express that. My suggestion is that you don't assign a specific person to that. If you're, if you're still in the, be as open about it as you can although be connected to the, what you imagine the feeling tone would be. These are the things that you can do to, to move you closer to doing what your part of the equation is. I always like to say when it comes to manifesting, and I got this from Abraham Hicks, universe, I'll do my part, you do yours. Mm. What's our part of the equation is setting that, in, that strong intention before going to sleep and doing your part to remember your dreams upon awakening. And then once remembered, do a little work with that dream and then take some action that that dream inspires. So that's your part. The rest of it is then let go, be like completely let go of your attachment and just go where the synchronicities lead you. But there are so many stories in Chicken Soup for the Soul, Dreams and Premonitions about people that were in this situation. Can I give you one story, for example, that's quite lovely? And there's, there's so many, but one of these stories that really stands out to me is a woman who, when she was in her early 20s, was traveling, backpacking through Europe, and she, she twisted her ankle, ended up in a hospital in Sweden, and the doctor that was attending her, she developed quite a crush on, and he was married at the time, and she, she knew that, and he was never going to, you know, be unfaithful to his wife, but they they had a really strong connection and she never forgot about him. And she returned back to the States, got married, had kids, had a long marriage. She was married about 20 years and never forgot about that doctor. He was always kind of in the back of her mind as this ideal man. And after her husband passed away, a couple years later, she began dreaming about him. And one dream was that she was in a kitchen standing with him and there was a woman that she didn't recognize who was pushing him toward her. And that felt really vivid. She remembered that dream. And then another dream she had, she was climbing up a mountain, like kind of in Switzerland and the mountain had 
with cheese-like holes in it. And every once in a while, through one of those holes, she'd look across and she would see that doctor also climbing up a mountain on the other side of the mountain. So when she woke up from that dream, she said, okay, that's enough. I'm going to just see if he still is at that hospital. So this is all these years later. She calls the hospital. Sure enough, he's still working at that hospital in Sweden. And it's his last year before he's about to retire. And his wife had just passed away about a year before, right around the time that she had the dream about the woman pushing him toward her. And they decide to get together and to connect. So he flies to the United States on a business trip. She, they end up meeting and they are madly in love and they are now married. And if it wasn't for this dream, they, this series of dreams, they, they wouldn't be. Oh my gosh. And is that connecting to some kind of shared understanding or shared connection? Is that through the dream you're tapping into something that was always, I I hate to say meant to be? Is that what, what, like what sends the dream? I think it's, you know, my my co-author in Chicken Soup for the Soul Dreams and Premonitions, Amy Newmark, she's a very pragmatic woman, and she her I love her perspective. She says, I, I believe our dreams are, it's, it's us, it's our own consciousness, but it's just more advanced than we can normally tap into when we're going about our business and our waking lives and our busy lives. But it's, it's us, it's, we're, we're intelligent beings, we're connected to the, the vast, infinite wellspring of all intelligence. It's not separate from us. We have access to it. It's our birthright to be connected to it. I think it's just in dreams there we, just as Amy was saying, and, and even as Deidre Barrett, the uh, Harvard professor who focuses on dreams, says that it's, it's, it's really, it's our own capacity. It's our own thought process. It's just different than our normal way of thinking. But if we can bridge the gap between our normal way of thinking, meaning our waking state, and our dreaming state, it gives us basically the effect of being super intelligent. Mm-hmm. We're connecting with our own, with our own mind, our own the universe, the universal con- consciousness that is ours for, for the taking. So it's wisdom that's already there. Einstein said that everything that's ever happened is already available, past, present, and future. It's all here. Just a matter of what wavelength we're connecting on. So our dreams kind of can help us go beyond the the radio station that we're normally accustomed to listening to and help us to to access some of these things that that are quite brilliant. There's another story in Chicken Soup for the Soul where there's a woman who has, it's a a Harry Met Sally story. She very much wants to meet the love of her life. And she's got this dear friend that she knows is just her friend, but she has this vivid dream that they're dancing together in like a tango kind of a thing. And they have this romantic kind of embrace that she, and all of a sudden she's like, wow, I didn't know he had it in him. I never felt that way about him or never saw him that way. And she shared that dream with him. And this kind of goes back to your tandem dreaming question. He had a similar dream that they were dancing that was very romantic. And all of a sudden they decided like, hmm, are you the one for me? Are, Are you the one? And they, so they crossed that that line and sure enough they are a they're a couple they're a happily married couple 
<laughs> that dream gave them the push that they're con- that they couldn't have they wouldn't have bumped into in their waking life without oh, that dream. It. Oh, I love it. Now, um, the new book is the Love, Sex, and Relationship Dream Dictionary. What? How? How can we use this? What is the best way to take? So I have a dream. I remember it. What is the best way for me to use one of my dreams with this book? Great. So what's what's unique about this book is um, there's a lot of dream dictionaries out on the market, and I have one of those that's kind of a generic dream interpretation dictionary. My first book is I, I Had the Strangest Dream. And most dream dictionaries look at dreams from the perspective that it, it, your dream could be helping you with any aspect of your life, your your health, your wealth, your spirituality, you know, helping you with relationships, whatever. It could be anything. But this dream dictionary specifically looks at dreams through the steamy lens of romance. So if you are somebody who is, if that romance is, is, is on your mind, it's something that you care about, whether you're in a relationship and you want to figure out how to keep your relationship going strong, or you're one of those people that is not in a relationship and you really want to attract them, then consider that your dreams are giving you insight that's helping. And when you interpret your dreams, so, so you have a dream, say you dream about, you know, like, like the dream that you were sharing with me, Karen, you're you're in a dream and you're in your house, and but there's a, a light that's on that you didn't expect to be on. If you look at those symbols in the Love, Sex, and Relationship Dream Dictionary, you'll, and my suggestion, by the way, if you're going to get really literal with me on it, if, you're, if you have a hard copy, there's a beautiful hard copy edition, you can go to the very back of the book to the index where the, the thousand symbols are listed alphabetically, and you can look up, let's say, light bulb or light. And, and then it'll tell you what page number it's on. So you just go right to that page number. And, and then it will give you insight that's based on relationships. So having written that book, I'm not looking in the book right now, but I can tell you that light represents illumination, something being brought into light that had previously maybe been in the dark or in the shadows or not seen before. So it could be about enlightening yourself to a particular issue that relates to your love life. And um, so that's how you would use that dream to, you would look at the main symbols of your dream and you would look at, you look in the dictionary and it's divided into sections, basically people, places, and things. And, and there's other sections as well um, that, that help you focus in on different, different kinds of um, ways that you dream and different scenarios that you dream about. And this also, it's a little different from other dream dictionaries because it has butt in it, B-U-T-T. It has all, there's underwear in it. There are all kinds of things for decoding your more sensual or sexual dreams, as well as there the regular. <laughs> there's my goodness. There are all kinds of grown up things in this book. Um, and it's, and as PG-13. I said, <laughs> it's PG-13. Fifty Shades of Dreaming. <laughs> but it's wonderful because it's things that we might not find in the regular dream dictionary. So I love it. Correct. And I think that the, the, that the domain of romance happens to be really important, even if you're somebody that doesn't claim to think that relationships are so important. That we're, if we don't know how to do relationships in our lives, then we're not really long for this earth. So we're coded to survive, which means we're coded for relationships. We all have to be in relationship, even if we're taking a sabbatical, even if we're 
we're we're going on a you know like a friend of mine went on a she called it a manifest where she was <laughs> she was she was um, fasting for a while on men like she went for six months without a relationship but still she was dreaming about relationship the whole time because you know she's trying to reorganize and rewire herself from the way that she was in relationship to the way that she is and then she ended up manifesting mm-hmm. out of that fast manifesting to manifesting. Um, a great relationship. A manifest. A manifest. Um, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I love that. That's another title for another book. Manifest to manifest. That's to manifest. awesome. <laughs> so this is the part where you let us know your website and tell us what's coming up next for you and how the listeners can find you and work with you. Oh, thank you so much. I actually have something that's very exciting that's coming up that I... I I did open up just to a small group of people, but because I love you, Karen, oh. and I, and that means by definition, I love your listeners. Anybody who would be listening to Karen and her show, I love you. So I'll tell you, and, and only a few people are going to be allowed in, and I just opened up the, the kind of enrollment for this. This is a brand new workshop that I have. It'll be a virtual workshop, so you can attend it from anywhere. It'll be eight weeks. It's called Dream Goddess. And it's for women specifically. If men really want to take it, I will not discriminate, but mostly this is for women. And we're exploring dreams through the lens of the the primary, the seven primary goddess Greek, the Greek goddess archetypes. Oh, that's so, so cool. This is a this is a brand new exploration for me. It's something that I've been doing informally for a long time, but people have been asking me to teach it, and I'm finally going to be teaching it. And I'm really, really excited. I've created a quiz. That, that quizzes you about the different types of dreams that you have so that you can end up identifying what your primary Greek goddess archetype is and what your shadow Greek goddess archetype is so that you can work that in and, and find balance in that. So that's coming up. People can go to my website, which is kellysullivanwalden.com slash dream goddess if they want to check out information about that that's coming up in a couple weeks. Um, if people are interested in incorporating dream work into their life coaching business or their spiritual practice, whether they want to work with clients or they just want more knowledge and dream mastery for themselves, they can go to Dream Life Coach Training and they can check out my, my um, coaching training program, the 48-week class that's quite robust and it's got shamanism, hypnotherapy, and some lots of like everything that I think is great about dreaming and dream work and the subconscious mind and spirituality. It's all in there and they can get a free dream, a free inquiry session for me if they go to dream life coach training. Very cool. Uh, Kelly, I, the clock has caught us. Sometimes the hour goes so fast. It and flew it, by. I know what it wasn't. We're out of the fog. <laughs> or this is a dream, and you know how time is funny in dreams. It just it just goes. But thank you so much for being on the show today. What great fun to reconnect with you. Thank you. Pure joy. Thank you so <laughs> much, Karen. I love you. You are a sister from another mister. That means you're also related to Carl Jung and Lucille Ball. When it comes to it. <laughs> I am. I am from the Mertz line of of that <laughs> of that place. Oh, I love it. Thank you. Thank you so much. That is Kelly Sullivan Walden. Her new book is The Love, Sex and Relationship Dream Dictionary. You can find out more about Kelly and about her work at kellysullivanwalden.com. If you're interested in that Dream Goddess Workshop, you go to kellysullivanwalden.com.
com slash dream goddess. The information about the life coaching and the 48 week class is at dreamlifecoaching.com. And of course, I, I love to connect with you. My website's karenhager.com. That's a great place to find out about classes and events. If you are interested in joining a free 15 minute monthly group meditation for peace and for bringing this troubled world back into balance. You can get information about that and hear recordings of past med- meditation gatherings at openpeacefulheart.com. And thank you for listening today. Together we are spreading a little more light in the world, and a little more light is always a good thing. Until next time, I'm wishing you peace. Peace.